0: Triple Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the premier podcast shining light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza.
1: Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability.
0: Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker-owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Let's shine a bright light on sex and disability together. Connect with me on Twitter at AndrewGurza, that's A-N-D-R-E-W-G-U-R-Z-A, and use the hashtag DisabilityAfterDark. Well, hello there to all my faithful Disability After Dark listeners. Thank you for coming back to the show, and thank you for wanting to listen to a brand new episode. I'm really excited and titillated that you're here. Let's get on with the show. I recorded this episode a couple weeks ago, and I was going to do it later in the cycle, but last week I fell sick, and I didn't have time to record a proper brand new episode, so I wanted to bring you this episode with my... with an awesome guest I recorded a few weeks ago. I recorded an episode with Queerty writer Josh Galassi, who writes a lot about his work and his life as a queer gay man with disabilities. And I loved talking with him because we work in the same vein. We do a lot of the same work. We talk a lot about about a lot of the same things, but from a very different perspective with disabilities. And I think it's important that I talk to a lot of different people about their experiences with disabilities and especially when they intersect with queerness. The fact that he's also writing for a major outlet like Queerty talking about disability is super important, so I wanted the chance to sit down with him and just chat. So the interview doesn't have a a major flow, we don't have a lot we like anchor to talk about, but there's a lot of stuff we do talk about and I'm excited for you to hear the interview. So without further ado, Here's my interview with Queer Tea contributor, Josh Galassi, right here on Disability After Dark. Josh Galassi, hi, how are you? I'm great, how are you doing? Good, I'm so happy to have you on the show, and I'm I'm happy that you're wanting to be a part of Disability After Dark. Thank you so much. Oh,
1: thank you for having me, I'm really excited.
0: It's going to be a good time for sure. So why don't you tell my listening audience a little bit about yourself and a little bit about who you are and what you do
1: awesome yeah where to begin um well right now I actually live in Montana but I'm actually gonna be moving um back to Seattle here soon I've been missing the city life so I'm I'm pretty excited about that um and let's see for my day job I work in public relations and then My little side gig, I actually write for Queerty.com, which is an LGBTQ website. Um, And yeah, my beat over there is kind of all about disability. And, you know, I write a lot of personal essays, but I also do several interviews. So it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, that's kind of how I came. That's kind of how I, I came to know about you. Just finding your stuff online and because you and I kind of work in the same vein in that respect people were immediately like linking me to you saying oh my god you should t- you should talk to this guy talk to him talk to him so so we i was like i have to have him on the show and your most recent post um really got me thinking and i was like i want to talk to him about that so why don't you tell us
1: a little bit about that that uh that post yeah so my most recent post um it was a little bit different than what i've written before uh, it was titled as a question, so the, the title of the post is Should I Include That I Am Disabled on My Dating Profile, and it was kind of inspired by this conversation that I had with a friend over in Seattle. Um, you know, I'm not quite sure what your experience is like on dating apps, but I know for me, I typically kind of wait a few, I don't know, a few days before letting... Someone know that I'm disabled, um, just because I feel like I like to get to know a person, and I like a, the person to get to know me kind of before, right you know, filling them in on that. But I had this conversation with a friend in Seattle, who you know, we went into the whole spiel of we were talking for a few days, like I was, you know, we were vibing and everything, and then I kind of brought up like, oh, by the way, I'm disabled. And he's like, oh, that's totally fine. Like, I work I work in hospitals, so it's not a big deal. Um, and then when we met in person, we it was brought up again. And he was just saying, like, you know, why did you feel the need to, to even, like, tell me that in that way? Why did you feel the need to tell me about your disability? And it just kind of, I think that whole conversation just kind of, you know, got me thinking, like, well, why do I you know, follow this pattern, or why do I, you know, wait so many days before I let someone know, and um, yeah, the article itself, I mean, people can read it. it, it just kind of dives into that whole area of, you know, when is the most appropriate time to let someone know that you're disabled.
0: Yeah, and and uh, I mean, the, the reason why I well, I reached out to you after reading that article First of all, let's backtrack. So you told the audience just now you're disabled.
1: Awesome. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us kind of what your disability is? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I was born with cerebral palsy and um, that's kind of an umbrella disability. I like to think of it as it, it affects people in different ways. You know, some people are in wheelchairs, some people require walkers, some people uh, you can barely notice it. For me, I'm kind of in the middle, it's definitely noticeable for me, but it's not as severe as, say, other people that are in wheelchairs. Um, I'm able to walk. Yeah, you my know, audience,
0: my audience knows that I'm that I have CP 2 and I, I constantly joke about how I I am severely <laughs> severely disabled in the in the sense that I, that I'm a wheelchair user. So so I have the same. The same exact disability, oh, just a really yeah. different manifestation of it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's the beauty of it. I, I mean, I know only a few other people are disabled. And while we might share the same disability, like we're all so different, not just in our level of disability, but just in the way that we approach it. And I think there's, there's a real beauty to it. Yeah, I agree. And I
0: think... That I think that, you know, having a disability and being able to talk about it as openly as bo- both of us do in our in our work is really... It, it's nice to see when I see your stuff and when I see other individuals with disability who are talking about this stuff. I think it's really nice to know that I'm not the only one writing articles about this. And it's like, it's nice to see someone else also doing it. So it's
1: great. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's definitely necessary. I think... I think you, especially, I mean, I read your posts and I read your work and I think you just have such a good voice And the fact that you're just, I don't know, being that person that is always, you know, not always, I should say, but somebody who is super vocal about it and who is willing to talk about it and answer people's questions. I know for me personally, like I honestly get tired of talking about my disability um, just, it's, it can be exhausting for me, so I I really admire the work that you do, just in your podcast, and in all the writing that you do.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much, and it's, it's, I mean, I think it's exhausting for, I mean, it, it, I was just talking about it the other day, it's exhausting for me, too, but the difference is that, like, you, you're in, in the piece you, you just did for Queerty, you talk about how, whether or not you should put disabled in your profile, mm-hmm. and, like, I can also decide not to put disabled in my profile. The difference is that when they come to my house or they see me for a coffee, they're going to know right away that I'm disabled, whereas there's a little bit of privilege that people with more mild forms of CP have where, like, they don't have to... It's something they can, like, think about and decide if they want to really disclose, whereas when I disclose, I don't have a choice. And so I think just, like, it was interesting to me to see you kind of wrestle with that because i was reading and going i wish like i wish that that's something i could (laughs) could think about is hiding the the disability and i remember there was one point in my youth where i when i was like 20 21 where i didn't tell somebody i was in a chair and they came over and we were gonna hug up and then they literally turned around and walked away and like i don't remember i don't even know what I would do if I could, like, decide if I'm going to put disabled on my profile or if I'm going to put that I'm a wheelchair user. So, like, when you were think, when you were thinking about it, was it something that you, like, is it something that you really wrestle with or was it, like, were you trying to find a way to explain? Because I know in the article you, you basically talk about how you kind of walk like you're drunk a little bit. And I know a lot of friends with your level of CP or similar to yours who kind of walk like they're kind of tipsy all the time. And they face like, concerns about going to bars to meet somebody because they walk like they're drunk. So did you, when you were thinking about putting disability in your profile, was that, like, what went through your mind when you were like, how am I going to do this?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, I mean, it's still something I'm sort of wrestling with. I think, yeah, I'm not sure if I've... I mean, if people read the article, they'll see that I don't necessarily provide an answer of what I should or shouldn't do. And I think it is something I'm still thinking about um, because, and I referenced it in the article as well. I do think that word disabled is so loaded and I feel like so many people have their own ideas in their mind of what that word means. And so I think part of it is me just having that fear of, you know, of being judged or, you know, ha- Having somebody think that I am, I don't know, something that I'm not, or I don't know. The whole thing is just, it's still something that's in my mind. But at the same time, I do, like you mentioned, privilege. Like I do understand that I am perhaps more privileged than other people. And that this is, the fact that I'm even able to question whether or not to put this in my profile that is a privilege in itself, and it's something that um, that should be acknowledged. Because I know that not everybody has that opportunity, and to think that I don't know that I'm somehow more special because of that—it's I kind of have uh, to. No, 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 no. I was
0: I was bringing it up because I just felt like for me, somebody who's a wheelchair user, like I—I I mean, my friend and I were talking about this today before you and I before we you and I started talking. My friend and I talked about it for a little bit and she was like well technically you do have the you do have the option to say you're not disabled like to say nothing about your disability in your profile right. the difference is that when someone goes to see you they're gonna tell right away that you were dishonest whereas when someone goes to see an individual who might
1: pass as being able mm-hmm. they can kind of not tell for a little bit longer right and yeah i mean for me people like the minute they see me they'll they'll know for sure like there's no hiding how how these legs how these legs move so
0: and how do they move like what can you just because the audience can't see you and i i haven't seen you walk yet. right so can you give me an idea of like what
1: they what it looks like yeah i mean i mean the the best way i can describe it is like a drug person which probably is not the most accurate but um (laughs) the, the way that i walk i walk like the inside of my feet so instead of you know, instead of walking flat, I walk on pretty much the, um, the inside of my toes pretty much. So So you're you're like
0: on your tippy toes or are you like, yeah,
1: it's very similar to that. And so, um, and I also like drag my feet. So it's like, it's, I don't, I don't even, I don't even know how to describe what it looks like. I mean, maybe I'll take a video and upload it for the world to see. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Hey, if, if you want to, we'll put it up there with we'll put it up there with the podcast. Yeah, sure. there we go. Um, so, so tell me a little bit about your experiences dating and your experiences like hooking up, and tell me kind of about your experiences as a CP person, as a CP person. That sounds weird to say as somebody <laughs> with CP who's queer. what if the audience has heard my experiences a bunch of times, and I'm curious to just kind of get your. Take on how all that stuff has happened for you. Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, man, where to begin? Um, I've had I've had different levels of experiences, both good and bad. Um, and when it comes to you know sex and disability, um, I think, yeah, like it's I've never been with another disabled person. Like everybody that I've been with has been able bodied. So I think that kind of provides its own challenges. Um, I think. No, I'm curious about that just for a second. Is that is that a choice or is that? Oh no, I'm wondering because yeah, that's just like the way that the cards have fallen. Like I just haven't had yeah yeah. the opportunity. No, the opportunity hasn't arisen for me to be with someone else. Um, that is disabled, but um, yeah, I I don't know. It's interesting, like. I'm I, I'm like having a horrible time with my words right now um,
0: it's okay well
1: <laughs> you can edit this out yeah um, no I've had I guess you can say I've had both experiences um, where you know it hasn't been an issue at all and the people are really nice and really kind and then there's the other aspect of it where... You know, you're talking to somebody and you're like, oh, I'm disabled. And they're like, oh, that's totally fine. And then you meet up and they're just totally not into it. Um, but I think for me, the really important thing with anybody that I'm with, I think just having that communication is really important. But also having a sense of humor, I think that's really that's really <laughs> helped me in my sexcapade. Because it is an awkward and funny thing. Because... You know my legs don't move like everybody else's, so there are certain positions that I can't really do, or certain angles. That let's go in, Let's go into
0: that. Like what? Okay, so let's be. Let's, so like, what? What kind of positions are you unable yeah. to like get into? Like what? Oh
1: my gosh! I, if I can be super blunt. Yeah, I wish I. I wish I knew the terms for each position, but I'm so not up to up to date with the different things, but. You know, I can't just like ride someone like I usually have to be like on my back and they have to kind of go into me um, because it's just like I my balance is really bad. So it's like I can't really I don't know. It's just, you know, it's 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 usually a hot mess, but we have fun. So I figure as long as they can laugh about it and I can laugh about it, then I can't ask for anything more.
0: And have you had a lot of partners who are able to like laugh about it? Because I've been with partners who who don't necessarily know how to joke about it, and yeah. I think for a lot of them, it's like they they're trying to. And I've said this before; they're trying to like make it this porn this porn scene that it's not, and it needs to just be this funny moment. And like, it's so hard to just relax into the moment and laugh at it. And, like I, even I, who have had so many different experiences with sex, like. It, even though I've done it a bunch of times and I'm comfortable with with a lot of it, of my disability and all that stuff, being able to relax and just laugh about it, it's really, sometimes really hard.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I know for me too, um, I actually, I get inside my head a lot, especially if I'm with somebody who I don't know that well or someone who I'm having sex with for the first time. I just get really inside my head and I'm just like, oh my God, are they just thinking about me and my disability and could they tell I'm disabled in this moment and it can be it can be really frustrating um because then that kind of affects like oh fuck I can't get hard now because all I can think about is like what they're thinking about and like what they think and is just terrible and um I don't know it just I feel like I have to kind of reach a comfort level with uh the partners that I'm with um in order to like Genuinely have a good time to where I can laugh about it and I can have fun with someone because I know for like the first hookup or whatever, usually I'm just like a hot fucking mess that can't get outside my head and all I'm thinking about is what they're thinking about or wondering what they're thinking about and it's just it's kind of a vicious cycle. But um, I've met a lot of really great people who I just adore and um, you know who you know, we've had good sex, we've had bad sex, we've had awkward sex, um, we've had fun sex, and, you know, they still keep in touch with me, and um, I think, I don't know, it's kind of what I imagine... It's rare to have somebody, it's rare to have a guy keep in touch
0: with you, especially after they kind of find out you're disabled and don't really know how to deal with that, so it's nice that you have found a bunch of partners who are just kind of cool with that, that's kind of nice.
1: Yeah, like, it's, it's really special, and um, you know, the sad part is that we don't live in the same state, so I, I think that probably has something to do with it, too. We're able to, uh, you know, sustain that sexual tension over sometimes years, you know, <laughs> until we see each other again.
0: Um, So there's another piece that you wrote when I was looking kind of through your profile. There was another piece you wrote about... Uh, about being gay and disabled in the era of trump and you and i have talked about this before on the podcast and i no longer run anymore because it got too hard to do so i gave it up because running two podcasts was way yeah, too hard that's... so i just decided to do this one but tell me kind of about your kind of your experience being gay and disabled in, in the era of trump
1: Aye, aye, aye. Well, that's a very, a, a very big question. I actually live in a red state right now and it's not very much fun at all. Um, it's just, you know, every day I take the bus and on the radio, every day I have to listen to, um, you know, these radio hosts that are Trump supporters. And it's just, it's really discouraging to hear um, just some of the things that they talk about. I know in one instance they had somebody on the radio that was talking about um people after they transition um how they end up regretting transitioning and how like you know all trans people just end up regretting all this stuff and it was just really just awful and terrible and it's just it really disgusts me probably like 99 percent of the time that i'm having to listen to the radio um and so, yeah, it's, it's definitely been an interesting time. Um, but at the same time, I think um, I've been able to kind of get outside of my liberal bubble, in a sense, and kind of see the other side of, you know, what other people have to say and their opinions. Because, you know, my family, my mom and stepdad and my dad, they're all Trump supporters, whereas I'm very liberal. And so, um, we've had a lot of really interesting conversations around politics and a lot of heated conversations around politics, but, um,
0: I would imagine definitely heated. I would imagine that it's definitely like that your dinner table, like that your Thanksgiving table last year was probably very,
1: very heated. Yeah, exactly. You kind of have to learn when not to say something and when you, when you can say something and, you know, just learning when to shut your mouth and shut the fuck up, that's probably the best thing I've learned.
0: And to just not say anything. Um. So one of the pieces, I'm just looking through your, your portfolio as we're talking, one of the pieces that I really liked that you did, and I actually wanted to do something mm. similar in my podcast when I was reading through I was like, I want to totally do that for this. So you talked to all your exes about what it was like to date a non what it was like to date a disabled person as a non-disabled yeah. person. Um what was it like pitching that story to the to your exes? I yeah, I mean
1: it was a lot of fun. <laughs> um I don't know, maybe it's probably not the most healthy thing that I'm actually pretty friendly with all the people that I've been involved with. Um there's very few people that I actually like, you know, once they're out of my life I don't speak to ever again. I'm actually, you know, pretty good friends with a lot of those people that are in the article. And so it was um a com like I felt comfortable approaching them about it. Um, but it was still super weird because you're asking them to tell you like, Hey, what was it like to fuck me? Like, tell me all about it. Um and yeah, I don't know. I, I just think with that piece it was just really interesting to me because I talk so much about my experiences as, as a disabled person having sex with able-bodied people that I never actually hear the other side of it. So I think that for me was more um, I wrote that more out of selfish reasons than anything else because I just I wanted to know what it was like for those people because um, I had never, I would never had a chance to ask them before, so I thought, why not just broadcast? Yeah, the like world that's
0: over. a pretty, that's a pretty bold piece to like submit to queer. Like when I I just I I saw it today when I was looking through your portfolio, and I was like, holy shit, that's just like wow, all right, he went there. That's really like it's something that I've wanted to do on my podcast. So anybody who's fucked me who's listening right now, hi, uh, if you want to tell me what you think about sex with me so yes let me please know. E- and it's all yes beautiful.
1: and i would love to hear that and please yeah get a hold of andrew i'm sure he has his email all over the internet so just email him yeah oh um, you know you and if you
0: if you fucked me you know how to get a hold
1: of me and, so well, I would, do I that would hope they would know how to get a hold of you but
0: yeah so do that and we can get up we can <laughs> We can have a podcast together oh, about it. Beautiful. Um,
1: Love it already.
0: Yeah, I'm doing it. So, like, what was your experience coming out, like, Josh? how? Like, I know for me as a disabled queer person, um, and I've talked about this a little bit before, coming out for me was, was you know, d- was hard because I had to, to juggle both being disabled and being queer. Was that something that you had to juggle, or was it because... Your disability is relatively mild. Was it something that you didn't think about, or was it like how did it come oh, about? Oh,
1: absolutely! I thought about it, and it was definitely something I had to juggle. Um, yeah, it it was a huge part of my coming out, and I think for me, before I got into the whole dating scene, it was a huge insecurity of mine of mine, and it almost continues to be so because um, you know, as somebody who is disabled and gay, I just felt that nobody would want to date me, nobody would want to have sex with me, um, because I feel like I had all this internalized homophobia, but also just these negative thoughts about disability and how, um, I don't know, it just felt like nobody would want to fuck a disabled person, and so I kind of grew up with that belief Even before coming out, and it was just, yeah, it's a sad, a sad thought to have. And um, I don't know, it was, it wasn't until I started actually getting on uh, dating apps and stuff that I really thought more about my disability, and it really kind of weirded its head into my psyche, and just, yeah.
0: Yeah, like, tell me more about that. Tell me, like, the realization of, like, because cause I remember, you know, putting those two things together, and it was interesting, and and I'm being vague, because I'm being vague with you here, because I want to do an episode on that later, so I'm not going to your, your tell the audience plittos. exactly. Yeah, I'm not telling you exactly how it came out, just because I want to share that later, but but to tell me kind of, like, the, the point when you were like, oh...
1: I'm disabled and
0: queer. Shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, um, I guess, let's see. Well, I always knew I was gay. And then I actually didn't come out of the closet until probably college. Um, I had actually read an article about, you know, it was, it was during one of those times where everybody thought the world was going to end on this certain date. And I was reading this article about how the world was going to end. And I was like, you know, if the world actually did end, would I actually die happy in the closet? And, and yeah, oh. <laughs> and so I had this whole thing of like, I, you know what, I don't want to die like this. I want to be able to die as like a happy out gay person. And so I read that article, and then immediately I wrote this like big dramatic <laughs> message to my mom, like, hey, I'm gay. I understand if you never want to talk to me again. I'm sorry if I'm bringing the oh. the family shame and the, it was just so dramatic and so stupid and it was just yeah, I was a hot mess. I mean, it was it was definitely like CW worthy writing. Um Some, like Riverdale yeah, woman. exactly. It was just it was Yeah, it was beyond I cannot like I I reread it recently and I was just like, "Oh my god." like I should not be allowed to write on the internet at all because of this (laughs) um but yeah I mean my my mom did come back to me and she was like you know I love you no matter what blah 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 um and then after that I was like okay well I'm out like obviously I want to start dating and everything um and so I downloaded Grindr and all that and yeah, you did. We all
0: did. We all did, we all did when we first started. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. It's like, how, how the hell else are you supposed to meet other gays in your area? Um, But yeah. Of course, now yeah.
0: as a more as more mature queer man, we've now graduated oh, to scruff, of course. Of course yes. Because what? that's where the hot <laughs> oh, daddy bears live, so that, that's that's the app that i'm on yeah. <laughs> if anybody wants I don't to know. know
1: i feel like we should like bring back craigslist though like i feel like craigslist is in need of like a resurgence so maybe we could
0: oh i still i still i still hit up craigslist for a dirty <laughs> hot minute if i really want like like a quick non nonchalant don't know your name we'll never see you again <laughs> like let's mess around and never talk yeah. about it Craigslist is the
1: place. I know, I've never actually met anybody through Craigslist or even really looked at that, but I always hear stories and I just feel it's so much more interesting to me than anything that you find on Grindr. I'm just like, it needs to make a comeback.
0: I've always secretly hoped that I was somebody's misconnection. Oh my
1: gosh, yes. I think we all have that. (laughs) Yes.
0: Like, but how... How would how would they describe me as a misconnection? So there you were in your like big wheelchair <laughs> hanging out and I saw you and I like wanted to talk to you but I could like how adorable I, would that pretend I know. Connection be? So if anybody's seen me out in the world, please send me or Josh a misconnection of when you saw us and choose carefully how you would describe our disabilities <laughs> yeah. because we want to Laugh about yeah, it. <laughs> like,
1: well, now I'm just gonna be scouring Craigslist now for my, for that post that somebody writes about me for your
0: misconnection yeah, exactly. moment. Um, yeah, exactly. do you have any like stories about sex and disability where your like disability? Because you talked earlier <laughs> earlier about how you, as I cough all over the mic, you talked earlier about how you got um. How you get in your own head. And I think so many disabled people do that when it comes to sex and disability, but was there a moment when your disability was definitely a part of the experience for you? And like, definitely was something you were like, Oh, I'm going to have to deal with this now. Like, do you have any funny stories about that you want to share? Oh
1: gosh. Um, man, I feel like all my weird sex stories, they don't necessarily have to do with my disability so much as me. Um, just being an awkward mess. So much as you worrying about your disability. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, trying to think. I I wish I would have like thought about this more before, we're recording. Um, I'm trying to think.
0: It's a question that literally just popped in my head. I was like, "Let's talk to him about sex." So, so you you had no warning. Oh gosh, it literally just no, popped in totally... my head. So no I know warning.
1: I'm always like so I'm so at like whenever I write online, I'm like so open about talking about sex. But then when I actually have to talk about it in person, I'm like, Oh, I don't know how to word all this. I'm like (laughs) such a little coy person. Um, but
0: (laughs) it's adorable. Oh my gosh, It's okay. No.
1: Um, but I don't know. It's, it's been interesting. Like, like I said, there's some people that I've been with where the disability isn't even a thing where we can just have sex and it's great. And, There's no issue, but there are, there have been instances where I wonder if, um, like because of my disability that, you know, the sex wasn't (laughs) happening, I would say, um, which I don't know, my, actually my last relationship, I was actually, um, in a sexist relationship for a, a big part of that relationship, which might be a surprise to a lot of people who knew us. Um, but I think for me, that was a big insecurity that I have. Like, why isn't this person having sex with me? Is it, is it because of my disability? And so, um, yeah, I think that's been the most kind of, um, I don't know, the biggest thing that's happened to me.
0: I, I've talked about it earlier on, in the podcast and like a really early episode, I think like episode two, I talk mm-hmm. about sex drive and I say to the audience, like I have a really high sex drive because I don't get to have sex a lot. Is that, I'm just curious. Is that common for uh, you too? Yes. Like
1: there is no Gatorade that can quench this thirst. I like to, I like to say. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like my sex drive is yeah. super high. And I want to fuck everything that moves all the time because I'm denied sex. And so do you feel – part? and I feel like partially that's because of disability. Is that, is that similar to you or are you just kind of horny like every other
1: queer uh, person? I'm queer much horny all the time. I'm game any day, any time, anywhere. Just call me up. I'm ready. I'm set.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Josh just told the whole Disability After Dark audience that if you want to fuck him, he's ready and <laughs> Well, you have some standards,
1: <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's a good start for anybody out there, I guess.
0: Awesome. Um, tell me about uh, the best sex you ever had and why. Oh
1: my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm like such a hopeless romantic that I'm like thinking about it. It's not even really about the sex itself, but more about the person that I was with. Um, There is one guy. I know it's so ridiculous, but there is one guy who, I don't know. I just always, it's been like years since we've actually hooked up or anything, but he's just, you know, he's that one that I, I think about or compare others to, which is so ridiculous. But I think for me, he's just—I um, don't know. It was—it was during a time when I was, you know, just starting to hook up with people as somebody who's gay and disabled, and he just made it so much fun. And um, he just—I don't know. We—he like let me try things, and uh, he was just really. What oh gosh! I don't know. <laughs> just like, you know he would like lay on his back and then I would like climb on top of it, and like try that whole position. Cause that's like a hard position for me to do. Cause my legs don't really move very well, but, um, he, yeah, he was just really patient and let me like, you know, do those things. And I don't know, it was just really special to me. And it's kind of funny because, um, I was living in LA at the time and I was living on an air mattress, so whatever we fucked. It was on an air mattress, which is kind of our thing, I guess. Um but yeah, like I I'm like probably the worst person to talk to about sex because it's not even about the sex. But um I don't know, you just had a to... It's funny that you it's
0: funny that you say you're the worst person to talk about sex. But you're a sex and disability yeah, writer. Like it's exactly. funny. Like...
1: I know. It, it doesn't make much sense to me either. But um I don't know. I think that's the thing with me with sex. Like I think it really it's it's so dumb to say and then it's like the notebook or something. But it it really is more about the person that I'm with versus like the actual like alright and then he's gonna fucking plow me. You know, it's it's for me it's I guess more than that. Even when I'm hooking up with just like a random person, I think, I don't know. I I appreciate the person more than maybe their penis. I don't know.
0: No, I appreciate a good dick. I'm all about the person too, but I also, I'm down for some good peen. If you're attached to a nice peen, I'm all about it. Let's go. <laughs> there you um, go. Do you think that you... Yeah, exactly right. Do do you think that you? I'm curious. Do you think that you are more of a hopeless romantic, partly because of disability? Like, do you think that? And I I've wondered this about myself too, because I'm also all about the romance. And in my head, I live in a I live in a version of the Notebook <laughs> yeah. that's not real. But uh, I wonder if that's because of these trumped up notions of fantasy and the trumped up notions of the way we are conditioned as disabled people to look at love and i think when we're disabled especially in my case the idea that i have to find somebody to the one person to love me mm-hmm. forever is a big deal and so i wonder if that played into you with respect to disability at all
1: yeah you know i've never actually thought about it in that way um and i don't know i honestly i don't think my disability really factors into by level of hopeless romanticness, um I mean it could, but I just i guess I've never thought about it
0: i mean mine makes mine turns me into like <coughs> mine turns me into so mm-hmm. much extra like mine my disability makes me so much extra because of just right. all the things, and so I just was wondering if like you're you're Desire to be romantic came from like, will I ever find somebody to love me? Will I ever any of that? Is that like all, is that something you, and it sounds like it's something you haven't really thought about, but again, how old are you? Um, you're young, right? You're 26. like 26. Oh, you're still a baby. You're still,
1: you're still, you're still, you're still, still finding my place in the world. Um.
0: Yeah, no. You're still a little one. You still have all this time left. I guess it's a
1: little pup.
0: (laughs) Speaking of pup, are you a pup? Do you? you (laughs) you
1: I've heard about that whole scene, but no, no, definitely. I don't. Oh, I'm all all about about, it. There's so many animals. I can't keep up. But no, I I know I'm not a pup.
0: (laughs) I'm all about it. So, is there anything? It's. Is there anything else that you want to share around sex and disability that we haven't talked about yet? Hmm. I don't know. Like, if you were to, to if if somebody was going to hear this right now and you wanted to to tell them like something super awesome about your life or super like real about your life as a disabled queer person, what is it you wanted them to know?
1: Ah, uh, uh, that's a that's a great question. Um, I think. Yeah, I think for me, because I'm still working through a lot of stuff around sex and disability within myself, and I unfortunately don't have it figured out. Um, There's still a lot that I question and a lot that I don't know and a lot that, um, you know, there's still that insecurity within myself um, because of my disability and you know it's just i don't know i i do think at the end of the day even when i do feel insecure even when i do feel like well no one's ever going to want to fuck me ever again like i think there is hope beyond our disability like i think we're getting to a place where it is becoming less of a thing um the
0: I think it is becoming less of a thing, but also when you're in the moment with somebody, like when you're doing it, it doesn't feel any less. Like when it's, when it's happening to you and someone's being ableist or someone saying a stupid thing or someone's asking you something ridiculous and you're just like, I just want you to step my dick. What the hell? Like when, when that's happening, you're just like, I don't know what's going on right now, but this, this feels weird.
1: Exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know, and it's like honestly, I haven't had sex in like two and a half years, so I'm probably like the worst person to be talking to right now. Yeah. What?
0: <laughs> First of all, have you seen yourself? You're adorable. Well, thank you.
1: Secondly, yeah, What? Um, Why well, I mentioned earlier, my last partner, we we're in like a sexist relationship, and so um I mean that's a whole nother thing that I'm kind of working through and have issues with and um yeah and that whole thing I don't know if it's I don't know if it's because I was disabled that he wouldn't have sex with me or not but um but yeah it's it's uh it's uh been a while
0: well people in Seattle where you're moving yeah. too soon right People in Seattle who are listening to this right now, uh, <laughs> hook, hook up with Josh, queer men who like men. Like go for a drink and uh, watch him like hilariously drunkenly walk to you, and, and then make a make a cute little joke about it, and have yeah. have some moments with Josh. Someone in Seattle, oh figure
1: that out. Yeah, Please. I wish I have so much anxiety about it. Like I like I'm actually afraid to like go and hook up with a complete stranger honestly i would just prefer like if a friend could just help me out with that because it's just i don't know i it's it's just a really weird time for me for sure like i've thought
0: about that too i've thought about being like hey friend want to help me do this thing but then it's like we can never be friends again yeah, after that
1: it's weird i know well it's like unless you have friends that you are comfortable just having sex with and it's just like not a thing which I don't know if I actually have those friends, yeah, but I like I've to never... think that I might. <laughs> but yeah. they're all like. I also like to think that I'm Ashton Kutcher <laughs> yeah. in a
0: romance movie where he's having yeah. sex with everyone.
1: But I don't I really know if that's realistic. Yeah, and it's like all the people that I could, you know, get a hold of—they're in freaking California or something. So I'm like, well, looks like I'm dying a virgin. Maybe. Maybe
0: you should go back to LA then, because LA might be the place <laughs> for you.
1: Not. Maybe I'll just do a little, a little visit. Yeah.
0: Um. Do you have any awesome pieces coming up about disability and sex that you want to write about, or disability and relationships that are coming no, down the pipes?
1: I. That's the thing. Like the people on queerity are really good to me. I can pretty much you know pitch anything and they're they have always pretty much almost always been like oh yeah totally just run with it um so I don't know I guess it just kind of depends on if I get inspired I feel like I'm in a place right now though kind of like I mentioned earlier I'm just I'm kind of wanting to take a break from um writing about disability because I do get really emotionally exhausted from um dissecting it all the time and I don't know I feel like I'm just getting to a place where I feel like I've almost said everything I could possibly say and it's just like I don't know yeah I feel like I don't know I'm just in a weird place with it but I think eventually I'll probably get inspired to write something else but it just kind of has to it has to come to me I think
0: and what was it like pitching the like the series to queerity to be like, I want to write about being queer, like gay and disabled? Were they like, yeah, cool? Or were they like, um, we're not sure how to market that. Like, what was there? Yeah, no,
1: they were actually really great. So, again, I lucked out with the whole thing because it actually started to where um, my current editor, he reached out to me and wanted to interview me. He had read something that I wrote... Um, I don't know, like years ago about being gay and disabled and he stumbled upon it and then he messaged me on Facebook and he's like, are you Josh who wrote this article? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he, they wanted to interview me on query just about being gay and disabled. And then after the interview was published, um, they, you know, they asked if I was interested in writing more about it. And then, um, yeah, just kind of, and went from there I wrote like a couple articles that they specifically wanted me to write about and then after that they just kind of gave me free reign so it's it's kind of fun actually because I could do it on my time on my own time and kind of write about whatever I want like um and it's I don't know it's usually pretty sporadic like I'll go weeks or months without writing something and then I'll all of a sudden get yeah, and then all of a sudden like
0: I'll see you all over my feed being awesome. I'm <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, he wrote a thing. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. it's just
1: funny because I never know what I'm gonna write next until um I don't know.
0: Until it's half done right. and you're and like, it, Oh there it kind is. It's
1: kinda funny because the way that I approach writing is like I'll get like one little phrase stuck in my head and I'll just kinda of like chew on it for the next couple of days and then, you know, a week later I'll have this whole article you know, s- with that one phrase in it, and it just—it's kind of funny how it all comes together. But, um, and yeah, I don't know. There's the whole thing too, where I—I I feel like I probably suffer from some kind of imposter syndrome because I feel like everything I write is complete shit. And so, <laughs> um,
0: we all suffer. We all yeah. suffer from that. Let me tell you right now.
1: We let me let me
0: tell you as somebody who's been doing this. On my own without a guidebook yeah. for the last like six years. We all yeah. suffer from that. Exactly. It's terrible. I know. It's terrible. And
1: I, I always feel bad because I'm a, like when I email my stuff to my editor I'm like, sorry if it's terrible. Like I feel like I need to apologize. And he's like, Josh, you need to calm down. Like all the time. And I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know how to write. And then he's like, it's actually pretty good. So I'm like, okay, fine. I guess I just needed your validation.
0: Yeah, it's almost like you need somebody who, like, knows what they're doing to be like, yes. Yeah,
1: exactly. And then, I don't know.
0: And I think as disabled writers, too, like, especially given that you and I, and I can think of, like, Ryan O'Connell as the other person that came to mind. The three of us are, like, the only people in our circles kind of writing about this stuff. So when we bring that out into the world and we show it, like, an able-bodied editor, we're like oh my god what are you gonna think about it like are you gonna validate my experience are you gonna be able to say anything like how do we how do i do this oh no
1: i know and it's always like that's always the first part and the second part is like once it's released like just the 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 reactions that you get from people um oh wow yeah the
0: reactions that i get from people are like wow um, even reading some of yours today on the, the most current post, reading some of the discussions about people's thoughts about the word disabled, people's thoughts about how you should disclose because if you don't you're being you're being dishonest and like just the way I find it really interesting the way that people who are not disabled um, comment right. and the way that people who are disabled comment. The people who are disabled that have commented on your stuff on the piece you wrote have a really long-winded, like, they want to tell you the whole story, and it's really nuanced, and they have a lot to tell you. And the non-disabled people who, who comment to you are like, well, just, it's not a big deal, whatever. And it's like, do you even understand <laughs> what you're saying? It is a big deal. Yeah,
1: and honestly, I've reached a point where I just, I can't even look at comments anymore, because I just start taking it all so personally. And it just, it reaches a point where I just, I can't even look at them.
0: I have to look. Like, I shouldn't look, but I have to also look. It's weird. Yeah, I
1: mean, yeah. I know when Um, I first started writing for Queer I was, like, all up in that shit. Like, refreshing it every 15 seconds. Like, ooh, what did someone say? But especially with this last piece where, um, I don't know, I just felt so exposed after it was published. I was like, ugh, I actually don't want to know what people have to say about this. Um, Which... I mean strangers, but obviously, like with friends and stuff, I do want to hear what they have to say. But everyone else is like, "Eh, I think I'm good with just not not reading that."
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. So, Josh, it was so fun sitting down with you. You're hilarious. You're you. I love this piece. I hope that you write more, even though you're going through a little bit of like, you got to step away from it for a while and do something different. Um, I hope you come back with more stuff. How do people get a hold of you? Like, how can we? How can people hire you to write stuff or hire you to do cool things? Or how really? do they we get well, a hold of
1: you? You can always, you know, shoot me an email. I'm also on all the social media. You can just search my name on Facebook. I should come up. Um, Twitter. I'm all over Twitter. My name is at Classy J. Glassy. Uh, i know right and then um yeah facebook i think it's just facebook.com slash josh 3 and then instagram josh 23 i have a i have a thing with the number 23 apparently (laughs) but but yeah and then obviously i write for queery pretty regularly that's kind of the only place i write for right now just because i'm i work full-time outside of queery so i don't actually have a lot of time to write for other outlets, but I'm definitely, definitely interested in it. But yeah, if you want to read any of my stuff, just hop on over the QueerD.
0: Awesome. Is there any last words you want to tell the world about your experience being queer and disabled? It's
1: been a wild ride, uh, but but, you know, I'm, (laughs) I'm happy to, um, you know, be one of the many voices that, you know, do talk about this. I think it's definitely necessary. Um, Even when I'm really tired of talking about it, I do see the value in it. Um, And I just, yeah, I hope that, if anything, I'm able to make people laugh. Um, You know, I honestly don't think anything I say really is that profound, but if I can make somebody laugh while talking about being gay and disabled, then I feel like I've accomplished my my uh my goal so yeah
0: and i feel like you'd like to make them laugh while maybe taking off your pants while, at the what? same time
1: well oh, maybe yeah. taking off your of pants course. at the yeah, same time it's like that's yeah. that's uh that's a necessity for sure just for the
0: future peeps in seattle he wants to make you laugh while you might be also <laughs> doing things to him just so you yes.
1: laugh. um <laughs> there you go that's it <laughs> You're like, half no, Definitely you're the ultimate kidding. big man. I appreciate it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anytime. So Josh, it was so fun talking to you, and I we'll we'll awesome. talk again. Thank soon you so for much sure. for having me. All
1: right. Bye-bye. Thanks.
0: Bye. We really had a lot of fun during that interview. We talked about things like privilege, ableism, dating apps. We talked about things like um uh, the wishing that i was somebody's misconnection could i be your crypt connection maybe we talk about wanting me wanting to, to do a podcast with somebody who i've slept with that's something that Josh wrote about which i was like wow that's super brazen and i'm super impressed by that And the offer still stands. Anybody who has spent some time with me who wants to come on the podcast and talk about that and their feelings around it, that would be awesome and I think really enlightening. Not to put anybody on the spot or put the pressure on, but it would be really cool. I love that Josh is doing this work and has the vulnerability to put it out there for such a large platform like Queerty. I commend him for doing what he does. I also felt it was important during the interview where he says that you know he's getting a little bit burnt out talking about disability and I think a lot of us experience that and there will be an episode of the podcast where I talk about working in the field and how rewarding it is but also how exhausting it is to do the work that we do I've mentioned it briefly before but I do want to dedicate a full episode to it Just before we head off from this episode, I want to let you know that if you're listening and you like the episode, you can let me know. Leave a review on my website or on iTunes. You'll hear the ad after this that will remind you of that. Also, let me know via Twitter the kind of topics that you want to talk about. Let me know things that I could do better to make the podcast stronger. And please, please tell your friends so we can get more people listening and make this actually, for real, the premier podcast on sex and disability. Thank you so much for listening to this brand new episode, and I will talk to you in two weeks. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, read my blogs, or book me to bring disability to you, head over to www.andrewgirza.com. Also, if you're listening to this in iTunes, please rate and review us so more people can find the show. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners. Just a brief production note. Disability After Dark is now going every two weeks, every other Monday at 5 a.m., So you won't hear us next Monday, but you'll be able to download a new episode every two weeks, Monday at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Copyright notice. This program was created and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crypto Content Creations. Any and all materials, including graphics, music, and audio recordings, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission.